From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. It is not a skill you're either born with or not born with. It is something that you can work on. And taking time to understand what triggers you is actually going to help you be more successful as a leader. That's Amy Lafko on emotional intelligence. We'll hear more from Amy on the science behind EQ, steps for regulating heightened emotions in times of crisis, and the benefits of a literal and figurative temperature check. But first, a word from our sponsor. At MGMA, our members mean the most to us. That's why we've partnered with Audi to bring you luxury, comfortability, and now affordability through the Audi Incentive Program. MGMA members are instantly eligible to save $500 to $2,000 on their next Audi vehicle purchase on select 2019 and 2020 models. To learn more about the MGMA Audi Incentive Program, visit mgma.com slash membership slash Audi. High emotional intelligence is long correlated with superior performance, which is especially important in times like the industry is currently facing. Here this week to talk all things EQ is Amy Lafko. Amy is the founder of Karen Consulting Solutions and is a recent MGMA contributor. Amy, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. Now, First of all, uh, as I've been asking other guests since uh, COVID-19 has uh, hit us and become a crisis here, I've been asking, what have you been up to during that time? Where has your focus been? How have you been addressing things during the crisis and pandemic? Absolutely. My focus has really been on helping my clients with communication. Um, You know, I think one of the biggest challenges right now is, Um, How do you stay people first and focused on your team um, as you make decisions about furloughs and layoffs? When one client got their triple P money that came through, they said, how do we bring some people back but not everybody? How do we communicate that well? And now the exciting thing is people are starting to bring everyone back. And so I'm working with folks on that relaunch. You know, this is a chance for people to reset expectations, realign people and get them excited again about the mission and the vision and really build that that teamwork and collaboration as we come back to the practice. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Now, one of the things you've done during the uh, this stay-at-home order and the lockdown is you published an article with MGMA. Uh, It's titled, Why Emotional Intelligence or EQ Matters More Than Ever. Uh, We've had a couple of episodes in the past on emotional intelligence. We know how important it is, but why do you believe that's the case? Why is it more important than ever right now? The first reason is because we are all in a heightened sense of emotion, whether we recognize it or not. We've got stressors that we've never had before. Um, So whether it's how do we safely get that patient in the door or how am I homeschooling my kids while being in the office, all of that stuff has already heightened our emotions. And so for some of us, that means that 
our trigger point might come quicker. And, you know, I say that when I, when I teach EQ, we talk about how clear is your glass, how clear is your vision. And we're all starting with the cloudy, cloudy glass compared to what we were in quote unquote normal times. And so people in this heightened state of awareness can get triggered more quickly. And not only can they get triggered more quickly, but so can the rest of their team. And it's how do we help balance those pieces? Because EQ isn't about preventing emotions. It's about learning how to regulate them so that we can get back to the work at hand more quickly. And I think that's the piece that's most important about EQ. It lets you get back to the work you need to do. Mm -hmm. Um what is the major theme then of this article? I mean, you address it in a lot of different ways, but what, uh, what were you seeing out there to cause you to write it in the first place? And, and then what were, what were your objectives to achieve in, in writing that paper? I think what I've been seeing is every range of emotions and responses. I, I a dental client or not my client but a, a dental practice where you know the dentist sent out a text and said so apparently we're non-essential we're closed you're all fired and that was the text wow. um i've had clients call me and say we need to put things on hold we're we're really struggling and then when i ask what's going on i realize that they're making these emotionally charged decisions that are going to outlast the effects of covid you know even something as seemingly minor as do we pay people for Memorial Day because it's normally a holiday, even though they're not working, that created a really big divide in the partnership. And that's something that's going to take a long time to repair. So what I wanted people to see is if you focus on EQ, understand how to be better prepared to go into these really tough conversations, that you can make better decisions. And then the other thing was I reached out to all of my former clients and um, you know, workshop participants and I said, how's everybody doing? And the stories I got back from people who said, you know, here's what EQ has done for me. Um, and it's not just their own personal experience. I have a practice manager who was able to say to one of his team members who broke down at the front desk, she was, at the front desk, started crying, brought her back into the back of the office. Now she's crying and yelling, frustrated because of everything happening. And he used his social regulation skills to actually bring her back to a more even keel so that instead of having to send her home and scrambling for the day, she could get back to the work at hand. And, hmm. and that's what made me realize how powerful this can be in a really tough time. Yeah, and we're going to get into some of those different aspects of emotional intelligence in a little bit. We're going to talk about some of the uh, actions that people can focus on and, and help make improvements in their practice. Uh, first of all, I wanted to talk to you. You're talking about people hitting some of these crisis points right now. When you're talking to people at practices, what are some of those factors? What are the things that are really weighing on them right now that are causing them to kind of get in that heightened crisis or stress level? You know, I think some of what I'm seeing is the lack of clarity. So for team members coming back into the practice, 
if they don't have a sense of clarity about what's happening in the practice, it makes it harder for them to come back. There's already enough lack of clarity out in the community. Um, will schools start again in the fall? How many of my team members are gonna be coming back? How much longer am I gonna be furloughed? So for the team members coming back, they have that external stressors, but then they also have the lack of clarity when they come into the practice. So when I'm working with partners and leaders, we focus on creating that clarity real understanding of what the expectations are, what we're doing to make sure that you are safe and healthy, what we're doing to make sure that our patients' needs are met in addition to yours. So as much as I'm talking about triggers for emotions, some of it is level setting. It's aligning people around the expectations because that can actually bring down that, that level of heightened emotion before we even get into some of the challenges of, the, of being in the practice. Mm -hmm. When you're talking to practices, because um, a lot of the issues right now, as practices are reopening, um, they're having to communicate with their patients, mm -hmm. kind of set up, set expectations, um, build that trust up that it's okay to come in here, we've got it safe for you. So are you talking with them, with your practice leaders at all about the ways in which they can do that and, and how they can achieve that with their patients? You know, I actually work with um, an, another company that does a lot of marketing and okay. that external branding. And we've had conversations about that because what's important is that you really get in front of your patients to say, these are the things that we're doing to make it safe for you to come into the office. Um, you know, one of my practices out in Minnesota, their marketing team obviously isn't going out and doing traditional marketing. They called all their past patients and said, how are you doing? What do you need? Is there anything we can help with? And that actually is going to drive patients back when they are able to come into the office. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the other thing that's happening is making sure that when a patient comes in, what you've promised them is what they experience. And the way that you can fulfill your promise is making sure your team is really clear, really aligned around what the expectations are. You know, if a patient's going to come in and have a certain set of expectations about how they're going to be treated, how they're going to be protected, then making sure everyone on your team is not only doing that, but understands why it's so important. You know, and when someone has a gap, understanding what's going on for them and really bringing up your game of emotional intelligence, really understanding why did this situation happen? What's going on for that team member? That's gonna garner you so much more in the long run. Mm -hmm. You and I were talking offline about emotional intelligence and perhaps looking at it from the perspective of uh, how much our audience might be aware of it. But I, I wanna ask you first, I don't wanna get into all of the the, the steps and levels of it. But first, is it just more of a philosophical question? Is it, is it more of a science? Is it an art? What, what are we talking about when we just address emotional intelligence? It is a science. There is a physiological response in our brain. You know, and when we look at e emotions at their core, we have two options. In, in a neutral state, we are going to be able to, rather than have that animal reaction of fight or flight, 
we're going to be able to use our, our thinking brain, our prefrontal cortex. We're going to be able to move to cognitive thought to disrupt that emotion. But when we don't have that self-regulation, that self-awareness, something triggers us, it goes straight to the amygdala, and now we've got that fight or flight reaction. And so there actually is a very much a neuroscience reason behind EQ. So that's the science part. Right. And then the art comes in understanding what our emotions are, why we're having them, and what we're going to do about them. Okay, thanks. Um, going back to that brain science part of it then, um, we've seen some things play out that are just um, horrific uh, amid the, uh, the pandemic. And I talk about that emotionally. Uh, we've seen a lot of, like you're saying, that outburst. We've <laughs> seen uh, things happen in a way that I'm not sure... And I know we all have cameras, we have our social media now, so we're able to capture things and not to say uh, emotions weren't heightened or people weren't losing their cool in the past pre-pandemic, but it does seem like it's happening more and more. I want to talk about that of control, you know, ability to control our own lives and the isolation that many of us have been uh, involved in during this time. What is that doing to the amygdala? What's it doing to our, our moods, our emotions, um, and how we're handling it? Or at times we're seeing this play out in social media not handling it. Yeah. I think that what I've seen is people who had a better handle on their EQ before COVID hit are doing better now. In the same way that if you have a base level of fitness, if you get sick, not necessarily with COVID, but for a lot of people, when they, when they get sick, if they've got a baseline level of physical fitness and physical health, it's easier to recover. It's that same idea with EQ. If I already have a strong foundation of knowing what triggers me, how I can regulate it, then it makes it easier when a bigger impact comes my way. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, part of what got me interested in EQ was when I didn't have it. Um, and there was a big storm when I was a director of rehab for acute care. And I had staff calling out going, you know, therapy's not really essential. And so I'm going to stay home. I had no idea that we're not essential was a trigger for me. And I blew up. I lost it. I mean, I did not handle it well at all. In fact, I think I actually might've said to someone, well, if you're not essential today, feel free to not be essential tomorrow and don't come in. Mm -hmm. Such a bad way to handle it. But after working on my EQ and really getting better at understanding my triggers as well as other people's triggers, four years later, when I was running urgent care operations, we had a massive snowstorm, bigger than we'd had in years. And when people called and said, I don't know what to do, I can't get out there to help, are, are we essential in urgent care? I could keep my cool because I had this internal ability to self-regulate. I knew my triggers, I knew how to control them. So in the mm -hmm. same way that if I have a baseline health level and you tell me tomorrow we're gonna go climb, you know, one of the mountains, the 14ers out in Colorado, if I have a baseline of health, I can say, yeah, let's go versus <laughs> nope, I need to practice that for six months before I'm going to be ready. 
Right, right. And it's, it's having the tools uh, yeah. that you need there as well. One of the things that's been interesting at MGMA, uh, we're still working remotely, but we're communicating. Mm -hmm. uh, the team is communicating. And one of the things our uh, uh, company put out was, hey, we'll, on Mondays, we'll have a meditation Monday. So we'll kind of just get together for anybody. It's optional, anybody that wants to join. Uh, what part is has meditation played any uh, role for you? Have you been involved in that or seen that as part of a kind of your toolbox in, in kind of getting a handle on that emotional intelligence? For me personally, it is. And there is research out there to support that. I don't have those details at the top of my head, but absolutely, there's good research that supports that sense um, of meditation because what meditation does is allow you to turn off the voices, external and internal, and focus on um, your being, your breath, and clearing out the mind. And so when you have a clear, clean glass, then you have that ability to better um, regulate some of those emotional content. And one of the things that I often encourage students to do is look at forms of meditation because it can help quiet the mind. Right. And breathing is just such a huge part of that. And it's just so ironic that breathing, lack of breath has so much been in the news with the pandemic, with uh, George Floyd's death. I mean, there's just this recurring theme of breathing, being able to breathe. Um, and with meditation, it's such a big part of it. Um, and in some of the courses that we take, they will really talk about that focused yeah. on your breath. I mean, it's amazing when you, when you don't realize it, uh, breath is such a, it's an involuntary action, but then, um, when you take a conscious breath, take a very deep breath, you go, whoa, I'm not really breathing all, I'm, in, I'm getting the oxygen to me. And so I'm, I'm keeping, you know, everything going here, but taking that really full deep breath uh, really slows things down. Any, any thoughts on that before we move on to the next topic? You said the right word, it's conscious. So that conscious breath, um, I, I teach the pause to, some of the participants of my programs. We talk about the power of the pause. Um, and I know we're not showing this on screen, but I never have a can of seltzer water or a mug of tea far from me because one of the quickest things you can do for self-regulation is pause, take a sip, even if it's an empty glass, and give yourself that moment to consciously take a breath, take a moment before you respond. So when we do self-regulation techniques, pausing is a big component of that. And that conscious breath allows you to have that pause. So if you're someone who's in a practice of meditation, you've already learned the skills of conscious um, breath and conscious pause. Now what we do is we bring it into those moments where it could be a trigger, or it could simply be, I want to let someone else finish their thought before I finish it for them. That's a form of social regulation. I'm helping that group get connected with what they need. Yeah. I love that you said, take a pause because we're all 
uh, well, most of us are working remotely. We're communicating virtually. Uh, sometimes that messaging can get lost in an email, can yeah. get lost if we're internally working in these various chat rooms where we're talking with teams. I think we've, most of us have been in these scenarios where things get escalated and then you, you fire out something that you're really going to sell the point on this one. And then, as you say, take a pause because you go, wait a minute, should I uh, step away from the desk here for a little bit and Absolutely. come back and read it with a fresh mind? Walk us through that. What is going on through the emotions, through the amygdala at that point, um, and how can EQ help you resolve that situation so you don't maybe fire off that salvo that maybe changes the course of your career. So <laughs> yes, because we certainly don't want that. No. You know, I think one of the, the interesting things about when you think about that flight or fight response, it may sound simplistic to think that just taking that pause can be enough to short circuit the route and have your um, response come from higher level cognitive thinking as opposed to down in that base level. And you know, when I think about the value of the pause, we've heard for years that you should wait 24 hours before you send that email that you're not sure that you should be sending. And so that's the type of thing that can happen because when we look at our physiological response, you know, in that calm moment, we can um, enable our higher level cortex thinking. And here's another piece of it. You know, Daniel, you mentioned about breathing and, and how COVID has a, an impact on our breathing. When we are in a relaxed state, that low emotion state, we have improved immune functions, decreased blood pressure, improved digestion, our muscles are relaxed, our heart rate is lower. But now that we're in this higher emotional state, we're finding that blood pressure is higher, that um, we have an increase in the stress hormone, we have that cortisol increase and that we are having higher heart rates. All of that physiological response impacts our brain's ability to respond to things because we're focusing our body's energy on decreasing that baseline stress level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for sharing that. I wanted to return to your article because there's really interesting, compelling passage in there where you have an interaction with a friend. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to quote you here. You say, a friend who is normally one of the most even-keeled people I know called and said she was at the end of her rope with the team. Mm -hmm. um, and then you and she have a dialogue there. I want you to walk us through that. What was she experiencing? And then how did some emotional intelligence tools uh, maybe help her get out of the situation that she was in? Absolutely. And, you know, it was interesting when we got talking, I asked her what was bringing her to the end of her rope. And she said, she's on a communications team. And she said, you know, the, the nurses are sending me stuff last minute that has to get turned around to go out to our, 
our patient partners and other physicians in the practice, and they're giving me these really short turnaround times. And I said, what's the normal turnaround time? And she said, oh, it's, a, it's usually really short. They only give me a day notice. It's as if they forget that it takes me time to do these things. I said, well, how much notice are they giving you right now? And she's like, oh, it's so short. It's about a day, maybe two. And I said, okay, let's stop there. So the first thing that we did was I said, tell me what's frustrating you right now. And she said, it's the short turnaround time. I said, is the turnaround time actually different? Well, no. So what is different? And that's when she started to dig deeper and she said, well, I'm frustrated by being home all the time. And I'm frustrated because she loves Kohl's and for some reason that became her crux. Like I want to get back to a store. And I said, okay, so are you truly frustrated with your colleagues? She said, no. And I said, so then you need to self-regulate. I want you to stop sending those emails that say, why haven't you given me enough time to turn this around? I said, let's talk about what's going to bring you back to center. So Daniel, you talked about meditation. For her, it was going for walks. And so it was making sure that she got outside and made sure she got her walks in every day. I have a non-healthcare client that they're all working from home. And the number of meetings has skyrocketed. And some of the, the people in, in the leadership um, program were saying to me, I, I don't have time to exercise anymore or all of these things. And I said, guys, that's part of your EQ. You know that you need these physical releases. Let's use that as part of how you respond to these challenging situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we're having a video conversation here. I can see your backdrop. You have, I hope I don't butcher the pronunciation, a cairn behind you. A, I do. I have tell us cairn. about that. What is the significance of that? What, uh, what does it represent? You know, and, and it's a cairn to me does three things. It helps us stay on the path. You know, um, I lived out, I live in Pennsylvania now, lots of woods, trails that have been beat down into the dirt. When I lived in Colorado, I lived in high desert and there really wasn't good trail markings because there was nothing to beat down other than rock that had, is gonna survive all of us. And a cairn always helped me know where I was going. If I ever felt lost, I had a cairn and I could see what was coming next. Um, re not recently now, but back in January, I was hiking out in Arizona and I came across this huge cairn and then I realized, wow, part of the trail had fallen away and the cairn prevents that obstacle from, from hurting me. And it gave me a way to avoid that obstacle. So even when I started my company, that's the reason I picked the name cairn because to me, they're, they're a guidepost. They bring balance. Even just looking at a cairn helps me remember that if I stay centered, if I put things in alignment well, they'll stand no matter what's happening around me. Mm -hmm. And just so if not everybody has the definition of what that is, what is, how would you describe what is a cairn? It's a rock formation or please? Yeah, so a yeah. cairn is typically a rock formation and um, you'll see stacks of rocks, one on top of the other, 
And the interesting thing about cairns is some of the rocks look very much like they're gonna topple over any second. But because of the way the rocks have been placed, they're actually stronger and steadier than you think they are. And so cairns are piles of rocks along a path that make sure you know you're going in the right direction. Someone's done this journey before you have, and they made it, and they made it back to show you the way. Oh, that's great. Now, before we get into some really an action plan, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to ask you one more thing from your article. You talk about triggers, and I think anybody that's <laughs> been in uh, a work environment, been in a personal relationship, you have these triggers, and uh, all of a sudden, sometimes it's the smallest thing in the world and that sets off, the EQ kind of goes very low at that moment. It doesn't, what it transpired doesn't really uh, reflect what the outcome is there. Talk about triggers, talk about what, what are we uh, getting at here? So an interesting thing about triggers um, is knowing what the root cause is. You know, in healthcare, I think we've done a great job looking at the root cause of illness for patients and the root cause of um, dysfunction and disorder. When it comes to EQ, your triggers are the same thing. You might say, oh, I'm triggered because I saw Bob at the copy machine again and he's in my way. That's probably not the trigger. Now it could be that he's blocking your way at the copying machine but more than likely there's something else. So when we talk about triggers, it's about getting to the root of the trigger. Is it really that it's that person? Um, is it what they're representing? Is it that they're slowing you down in your workflow? Because imagine when I work with organizations and we're designing their structures, some of what we look at is what processes are making it harder to do your work. So the trigger might not be the person at the copy machine. The trigger is, why are we still photocopying things when everything's supposedly being on the electronic health record, right? Right, right. Oh, that's a good point. Okay, so let's, let's get to an action plan then. What, what can our listeners do to access and improve their emotional intelligence? How do you do that? So I, I think COVID's provided the perfect example. Anytime you walk into an office, you're going to get your temperature checked. And in some ways, EQ, the first step is to take your own temperature. Hmm. How am I feeling right now? I shared with you earlier this idea of how clear or cloudy is your glass. That's your temperature check. When you get up and start your day, if you're setting your intention, if you're doing meditation or whatever it is that centers you for the day, you wanna be able to say, how am I today? How cloudy is my glass? Because again, if you're going in really cloudy, it's gonna make it more likely that you're gonna be triggered and that it's gonna be harder. So the first thing is check where you are. And with some of my clients, I've been using a tool where we talk about where they are in their, in their journey. Are they in frustration, denial, depression, or are they actually feeling positive today? One client was struggling, and I had her start doing that with their leadership team every day. Go in, I want you to check their temperature, 97.1, 98.6, and I want you to find out where they are on this scale every day. And it's going to change. So knowing where you are is the first step. So that self-awareness 
is the most important thing. Once you've got that awareness, and all I'm looking for here is, huh, I'm experiencing something. It doesn't have to be flying off the handle in rage or getting overly excited. It's, I know I'm experiencing something. Then what I want you to do is say, why am I experiencing it? Understand that trigger, that root cause of the trigger. And then you also wanna know, how could I handle this? Do I need to do anything with this information? And then you start to progress into regulation. But the first step I mentioned is the awareness because I will say that for the majority of my clients, when we do an EQ assessment and they get their results, they're always surprised and say, wow, I thought I was more aware than I am. And I often find that that's the first place to start because how can you regulate if you don't know what you need to regulate? True, true. All right. Are there any outlets or resources that you can point our listeners to? Absolutely. I have to say that Daniel Goldman's work is still the gold standard. And um, I love looking back through old Harvard Business Review articles. His book is the gold standard. For a lot of people, it's too dense. So I say start at the second half, which is the how and what of EQ, if you don't okay. want to go into the deep dive of the why behind it. Right. Um, I actually, Daniel, I mentioned that I have an ebook. I'm more than happy to share with any of your um, listeners. If anyone wants to download the ebook that gives a higher level look at some of the EQ components and a couple key exercises. I'm also more than happy to send any of your listeners an EQ assessment that then I can walk them through and we can do a strategy session and really think about how they might work to improve their own EQ level. Would um, they go to your website to access those things? Where absolutely. would they go? So what I can actually do is create a link just for your members so that they okay. don't have to go anywhere and look for it. It'll be right with all the other materials for this podcast. Okay. And we can provide that in the notes uh, for this podcast. So thank you Absolutely. for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Was there anything else or that you wanted to point them to, or did you cover it? I think those are the big things, um, okay. you know, and I really do encourage you to take the time to get your baseline assessment. So when you think about resources, the only caveat I have is before I found the tool I use, I was using a lot of assessments that aren't as reliable. Mm -hmm. um, EQ assessments are very much subjective. And so if you think you're great at EQ, you can really do well on a lot of these tests. I had someone come back and she said, I knew I was really good at this. And yet I'm sitting there with next to her team member who's telling me where she's struggling, but her test results would imply that she had perfect EQ. She was a hundred and everything because it was a subjective test instead of something that was valid and reliable. Okay. Well, <laughs> before we sign off then, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience about emotional intelligence and really how it can help people through a time of crisis like we're dealing with right now? Absolutely. I think the most important thing is that EQ can be developed. It is not a skill you're either born with or not born with. It is something that you can work on. And taking time to understand what triggers you is actually going to help you be more successful as a leader. And then the next step, and, and this is where I think every leader needs to focus. If your mindset is on putting your people first. If your intentions 
are around putting your people first, then what's going to happen is you're going to look at gaining better understanding, better awareness of what they're experiencing so then you can help them as well. You know, once you get this process, you can more quickly get back to doing the work you need to do instead of getting hung up for hours or days on how you're feeling and what emotions you're experiencing. They no longer become a way to get hijacked from your work. And so you can address it. I've had hundreds of people go through my leadership programs where the EQ is their most profound takeaway because it allows them to then fulfill the rest of their leadership skills. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, Amy, it's been a pleasure talking to you and thanks for joining us and sharing these insights with us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. That's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to Audi for sponsoring this week's show. To learn more about the MGMA Audi Incentive Program, visit mgma.com slash membership slash Audi. Also, thanks to our guest, Amy Lafko. To hear more from other experts about leadership in times of crisis, register for MGMA's virtual medical practice excellence conference at mgma.com slash mpec. Additionally, be sure to check out the episode notes for a link to Amy's free EQ ebook. The first five listeners to take advantage of this special offer will receive the chance to take an EQ assessment and go over the results with Amy herself. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com or find me on Twitter at mgmadaniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com membership. Thanks.